Hello, everybody. My name is Ryan M. I'm an ass alcoholic. Hi, guys. Um, it's so wonderful to be here. Um, so in short, I'm going to share my experience, strength, and hope for a quick 10 minutes. Um, and yeah, so kind of just telling you how it started out. Um, I grew up in like a pretty like chill but like stressful environment. I'm going to try to speed it up so I can kind of like, get to the good stuff. Um, I played like tons of soccer growing up. You know what I mean? I traveled. Like, I went to like, Yosemite during the summers, Lake Tahoe. I had like a great childhood. I'm not going to lie. Um, but like from a young age, like when my parents divorced, that like really like messed me up, to be honest. Like I could, I remember like crying at, at, the, at the window, like, like to my dad, dad, don't leave, dad, don't leave. It kind of like just really like ruined. Ooh, my phone's about to die. I'm going to put it on the charger real quick. Hold on one sec. Um, yeah, like I remember like, like my dad, excuse the camera. Um, you know, I remember him like leaving and it was like really like a, like, like a traumatic experience. You know what I mean? Like kind of like a huge hole in my heart, you know, where like my, it's like, it's like my rock, my dad, he like left and like, he didn't like, wasn't, I'm just super blessed. Like he didn't like leave like my life entirely. Um, however, like, you know, he wasn't like, like in the house, you know, but I, I got to see him all the time on weekends, you know, like my mom who was a nurse, like worked, um, and like at night shift. So my dad would come take us to school, stuff like that. So I got to see my dad a lot, but from the time where my, when my dad left, I developed a stutter actually. It was like a severe, really bad stutter, couldn't get out sentences. So from that point on, um, I had like a really hard time communicating to other people. I had a really hard time expressing myself and I struggled like building connections with people. So from, from like a very young age, about nine years old is when I had like really, and I also switched from public school to private school, didn't have too many friends. So like I had nobody to like really like rely on or talk to or open up to tell them I was really feeling, you know, my house is kind of like, just suck up, keep it pushing. And like, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, so speeding up to high school, I had like my first drink at like some party. I don't remember my first drink that well, to be honest. Um, but, uh, I remember like at one party, uh, I filled up like some clear lit or some clear vodka or something like to like the very top like, of like this tall glass. And somebody was like, bro, if you drink that, you're going to die. And I was like, oh, I'm saying like, so like, I was trying to have a good time. You know what I mean? I wasn't like really focused on the consequences of my actions. I was like, fuck it. Just run that shit. Like, it's all good. Like, you know what I mean? Fuck what happens. You know what I mean? I really didn't care about myself. I didn't like love myself. I didn't care about the people and the consequences of like drinking and driving, stuff like that. I was just with it to have a good time. Um, speeding up to college a little bit. Uh, that's the first time I smoked weed and I got like high and I was like, fuck, like, this is what I've been looking for. Like something to like relax. I, I can't overdose on this. You know, I'm going to be chill. I just kind of calm me down, chill me or, you know, really was chill. Um, and I actually earned a full ride soccer scholarship from university of Washington, Seattle. So, uh, and then I also got diagnosed with being bipolar, uh, my freshman year. And I was on medications that kind of like made me gain a lot of weight. So in sophomore year is when I first started smoking weed. So I started smoking weed like every single day. Um, and then I actually like lost that scholarship. I tested like, like the second highest, second highest positive, uh, THC drug test in UW history, which is saying something because I was only, uh, passed by a, uh, a basketball player. And, um, you know, it's like a little, a little badge I, I carry around with me all the time, a little token of respect, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of stupid, but, um, anyway, so fast forward a little bit further, uh, when I was 26, um, I was dating this girl at the time that, what'd you say? Two minutes. Oh, no, sorry. I thought I heard something. I'm so sorry. That's all good. Okay. Um, so, yeah, speeding up a little bit when I was 26, um, I, I kind of was smoking weed with my, with, my, uh, with my girlfriend at the time. 
and she wanted to like quit smoking weed because like she could see like how bad it was for me you know like i would get paranoid because i was bipolar i like freak i freak out you know um and it was like really like a challenge to kind of like to like enjoy being high anymore because like you know i felt like i was hearing stuff and like hearing voices that weren't mine it's hard to kind of like control my mind when i was high um so basically um when i went to um so then when, when she when, when, I, when i quit we with her um uh we had done like cocaine before that like with her co-workers so i started doing cocaine heavily like i started doing like every single day uh you know once again didn't care about the consequences didn't care about going to jail the consequences things like that i just was like fuck it run it it's all good and um so then one day my mom kind of found out that i was doing coke she like caught me like in my room about to hit like a fat coke line and i remember her like chasing me at the house like what the fuck you doing ryan i i still was running out the house and i hit that shit still on the run i was like it's good like fuck it i'm running literally <laughs> and um, you know so then she got me into like an outpatient program at the newbridge foundation and she was like look like if you don't, if you don't stop doing drugs i'm gonna kick you out the house and you're gonna be homeless and i was like all right fine you know so i did the program and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to quit coke. I understand that's bad, but I must just keep smoking weed. That was like my mentality at the time. And then uh, what happened was, you know, I, I actually started to like understand what it meant to be an addict. It started teaching me things like, um, you know, like how our survival instincts as addicts and alcoholics like change when we're addicts and alcoholic in terms of we don't have our normal instincts like food, shelter, water, things of that nature. We want to just use like using drugs is like our survival mechanism. It's like if I'm using it, I'm good. I'm, I'm surviving. Right. And I started to like start to, to pick up on stuff. Like they said, like, if you if you are to do weed or smoke weed, you're going to eventually want to go back to your drug of choice, which is coke. If you drink alcohol, you're going to eventually want to go back to weed and go back to coke. So I started to like pick up and believe what they were saying. And then um, so as time progressed, um, I started to like learn more and more about what it meant to be an act alcoholic that I can't rely on self anymore. I can't rely on self-will. Self-will got me in the in the circumstances I'm in. I mean, I, and I brushed a lot of stuff. You know, I, I've been to like jail for selling weed. I've like totaled three cars. I've like done, I've been to mental hospitals up and down, the, up and down. You know what I mean? I've done a hell of fucked up shit. You know what I mean? I got, I, I got bit in the face one time in a mental hospital too. Like it's been, it's a scar right here actually. And, um, you know, I, I've gone through hell of shit um you know because of my addictions you know what i mean so i brushed a lot of that because i'm trying to because i only got 10 minutes but point being is that when i got into the rooms i started to like my perspective my heart my soul started to change where i wanted to become more like you guys i wanted to learn how to like not depend on substances anymore i wanted to learn how to not depend on the higher uh excuse me not, not to not depend on like my higher power at the time, which was drugs and substances, but depend on like a higher power outside of my uh, outside of myself. Um, and I'm so grateful to like make the, that 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 commitment and change to to be in the spiritual program and learn the spiritual tools necessary um, to really like overcome urges to use to to have the desire to use the, the desire has been completely lifted to use. You know what I mean? Where um, I'll be in situations where like you know people people have this have that. I'm just like, no, I'm good. No, thanks. You know what I mean? And I've had like up to two and a half years of sobriety. And I, I, I have no references in my story as well, which I don't recommend because it's, it's messy as fuck out there. There's nothing you're missing out there when you are out there using like the drugs are still there. The bullshit is still there. The jails are still there. The institutions are still there. And death is still out there. Um, you know, I had I had one of my uh, he, he, I wasn't too close with him. But um, this guy I knew in the rooms, you know, he, he relapsed um, on his drug of choice and ended up dying. 
You know what I mean? That's just the reality of of who we are as people. We just want to run it until we dead until we're dead in jail or institutions. And there's no stopping us. So too much, thank you so much. And um, you know, I'm super blessed today because I get to be like used by my higher power to help inspire other people um to to like walk a walk of sobriety. I, I get to like share my experience with the hope with like acts and alcoholics. And I get to like express to them like that this is like this, that, that, that this is like like the winning side. It's a winning team. Like being sober has given me so many blessings. You know what I mean? Um, I've been able to hold a job, you know, pay pay for things I would normally be able be able to pay for. Um, I've been able to kind of like relate to people, have like genuine connections with people. I've been able to get closer to my higher power who I thought I couldn't really get closer to because I, I had fucked up too much. You know what I mean? And um, I'm just super blessed because day in and day out, I have a choice to use or not use. And back then, my only choice was to use. I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? And now I'm grateful each and every day that I'm sober that I chose not to use for today, just for today. And it's really, it gets hard at times. I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I can't use the rest of my life. But you know, I was told, how, how do you eat an elephant? You know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, just like you're sober one day at a time. It might, you might think, be overwhelmed, oh, fuck, I have to do my whole rest of my life. You know, it's, it, it does seem overwhelming at times, but you just have to, like, call somebody, reach out for help, um, continue to, like, work on your program, work your steps. The step work really brings about freedom from the chains that addiction brings. And I'm really grateful that I can, um, you know, choose the spiritual path that I'm on instead of choosing the substances I used to use. And I'll, I'll end with that. Thanks for letting me share and be of service tonight. Brian, that was beautiful. And, and thank you, Laura, for, for asking me to share. Um, I actually sort of didn't want to do it, <laughs> but, but I know, right? I know that it is an honor to come here and share. Um, like 40 minutes is a long time to talk. Um, Gail, I think you identified as new. So welcome, man. Welcome. Um, it is, I mean, I'm really grateful to not have to drink today. I'm really grateful for my sobriety, even if it doesn't, you know, even if I don't think I am right. Cause I know how hard it, it took me to, Oh, people are saying, hi, I appreciate everybody. <laughs> it's like, and I'm not all, always linear. Right. But so welcome to anybody who's new. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing those things. Cause, cause I agree. Like before I got here, man, I really didn't know how to have relationships. And this really, really has given me a chance to like live. Um, because if I wasn't here, I would be dead. I absolutely would be dead. Um, so I was born in Oakland. I was born and raised in Oakland, which is sort of great, right? Um, it's also, I was born in like the early fifties. Um, so I'm going to start a little bit linear because I mean, this is not why I'm an alcoholic, but I still have really, really strong feelings about it. Um, so when I was a kid, um, and there is validity to kid stuff, right? I mean, I didn't grow up in a normal environment. I, the 1950s thing, right? My mom was, I was quote unquote, supposed to be a boy and they were going to name me Michael. And I came out a girl, right? And like, and they named me Michelle and my father, it wasn't until my mom died, which actually that I found. And I had an older sister. She was two years older. Love my older sister. She's passed away now of, of breast cancer. Um, but I, and I really miss her. So everybody in my immediate family's gone. Um, so, which is sort of like nobody understands your childhood, 
it's interesting to be sober because I mean, a lot of me, I thought that I was drinking because of my, because of my childhood. Right. And I, I would drink over emotional pain. Um, so it's true. Like my dad left my mom with a newborn and a two-year-old. Right. So, and that wasn't easy. Um, and growing up actually, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on just in the world about like uncovering trauma and stuff. Um, and my higher power has brought me in stuff about that. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. This is not necessarily AA, but it's the ACE thing, adverse childhood experience. And it's just a way to like put language on it. Um, I don't always, so much of being sober is almost like beyond language for me, but the ACE thing is like, I'm actually a solid seven, which is sort of like, yay, achievement, right? <laughs> it's like, no, you don't, yeah. No, you don't necessarily want to be a solid seven. Um, but this, you know, sharing with each other has actually worked for me through my 12 steps through being here um, for a while um, and definitely working the 12 steps. And the 12 steps is what I have used to change my life or to have my life change. Um, and I didn't do all the work. You know, it's like my higher power helped me, but I was there. I did show up. Um, and it's almost hard to convey, like I got here when I was 47, right? So, and I grew up in the sixties, the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, I got here in 1999. My sobriety date is May 11th, 1999. Um, so I've been doing this for a while, but it's also like, because it works, you know, and it has worked. Um, and I do try and live my 12 steps every single day. Um, they've, I've, you know, I think for somebody who's new or who hasn't worked the steps, you work them like deep enough. You work them hard enough because certainly you drank hard, right? I mean, I always drank to get drunk. I think I could have known pretty early on because I started drinking in high school. It wasn't a big deal in high school, um, but there were lots of drugs in high school, right? I went to the Oakland public school system. And um, there were two girls that, that were really popular that I was friends with, right? I didn't consider myself a popular kid. Um, but so these two girls in high school, they like, they would study hard during the week, right? And they had this thing and then they would drop acid on the weekends as like a reward, a drop L LSD. Man, I tried to do that. I thought that was a great idea, but I could never wait. <laughs> I couldn't wait right till the weekend. So I pretty much dropped acid every day. Um, and, you know, I got a lot of drugs in my story. I mean, and a lot of us do here. Um, I really do appreciate AA, but underlying the drugs or alcohol was like my need to escape or my desire to escape. Um, and I have a lot of that, you guys. I have a lot of like wanting to escape. Um, like not being able to deal with stuff, right? Like when I was a little kid, when I went to grade school, right? In kindergarten, I got this nickname and I got teased for being big and ugly and they called me Moosehead. And that nickname followed me throughout grade school because I went to the same grade school and I hated it, right? And there, was, there wasn't, you know, my mom was a single parent, right? And she had a lot on her plate and she really didn't know how to tell the truth either. And I tell you, the 1950s, a lot of pharmaceuticals, man. You want to get loaded on pharmaceuticals, time travel back to the 1950s, right? I know a lot about drugs 
from growing up. My mom had a lot of drugs around. And also my sister would make her a martini, a pitcher, a whole pitcher full of martinis at night and she'd drink them. I never, ever processed that as her being a drug addict or an alcoholic. It was just the way things were. But I used to hide when she would come home, right? And she'd come and find me and it's like she'd pull me out from under the bed or behind the couch or it's like, I hate you. You know, you're so ugly. There was a lot of screaming in my life, in my in my family life. Um, and part of that, you know, it's like I know that there's people in the world that they go off and become brain surgeons or, you know, pilots or they don't have the allergy. Right. They do not have the allergy. Um, and I also understand, too, there's people in the rooms. Right. That we have a hard time telling the truth. I mean, it was really that thing. Somebody at a meeting once said the three most spiritual words in the English language. I need help. Three most spiritual words in the English language. I need help. And that is those are not easy words for me still to say. Um, but this is, you know, this is a we program. And this is the thing of like learning. So, you know. I didn't learn how to have relationships when I was a kid. There's really some validity stuff. I'm reading the body keeps the score, right? I'm reading like, and I'm sort of looking for some therapy. And I think I might do that. I've never, I've, you know, long story. Everybody here has a, you know, you got a, you got a three hour story, which hopefully you do in your fist step, right? Um, but interesting some of the stuff I want to come up with tonight or make sure you hear from me is like the despair that I had when I was a kid, the despair and the need to like endure my life. Um, so that man, when I found drugs and alcohol, you know, it's like, Hey, <laughs> this works. Um, and this works to take me out of my body. It takes, takes me to a place where I, I'm quote, quote unquote comforted, um, which, you know, okay, we can, I qualify to be here and we can get over that pretty fast in the sense of like, ultimately drugs and alcohol do not work for what we're trying to make them work for. Right. So, and I absolutely, I know this to the, from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, right. There is a progression. There's a progression to the disease of alcoholism, right. It progresses. Right. So I started when I was in my twenties, I helped start a wine tasting club. Right. I mean, so I, we were wine tasters. It didn't mean that I was a normal drinker. Right. I mean, but it's like because we'd be in the back, maybe just a couple of us and we'd guzzle the reds. You know, I could drink a half a bottle of wine. I could always drink a lot. Right. And I always drank to get drunk. Um, but by the time you get here. Right. Your my drinking definitely had changed and our drinkings change. Right. We're not you want to think that you're out there drinking for fun. And I, you know, I've had a sponsee that she always asked me, well, didn't you have fun? You know, and I'm not saying that I didn't have fun. I had this thing inside my brain about being wild. You know, it's like, man, I started drinking contests. You know, it's like, I mean, drinking was always there. So were drugs. Um, but I was always running. I was always running from something. Um, basically me, you know, being able to live inside of me being able to have a relationship with myself, right? And I never had the ability to have a relationship with myself till I got here, till things, really some foundational things changed of like, I was not okay for a really, really long time. Um, and I'm basically okay. Life is not necessarily perfect, but I'm basically okay. Um, and I do, I have a higher power. And some of that is like hope and faith. 
I think, you know, if one thing we can give to each other too, of like, you know, cause you know, it's like the disease of alcoholism lies to us, right? It's like crack heroin and vodka. Or if I think I want, you know, and man, I loved, I loved combining pills, right? And, and drugs, I did. And, you know, you can get a long ways and there's, so, you know, you grow up in this, or in the seventies, right? So in this, and there's still, there's still a lot of drugs around. I mean, but there's a lot of things I've done that I, for which I should be dead, right? I mean, we just, that's how it happens, right? And, and I'm not dead. Um, I know those things in detail um, of like IV and things that you're not supposed to IV or actually, you know, starting drink on contests and being around people, going home with people that you actually don't know. And it turns out that they're kind and nice people. Right. I mean, but just, you know, how many people get killed? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like, it's a hard world out there. Um, and besides which all the selfishness and self-centeredness, I think that it takes to, to continually be an alcoholic. I had a lot of emotional stuff that I was running from and a lot of like self-hatred. I mean, I've, you know, and a lot of reasons for that, whether or not they're valid or not. I ended up, I was a weird little kid. I really was a weird little kid. And just because I'm not going to stay on this forever. But when I was in my 20s, because some people are cutters. I actually, I cut, I like, I have a few scars, right? Through, I would put my fist through like glass windows, right? On purpose and then take it and open it up. And I also painted Jasco on myself, right? Jasco is a paint remover. Um, so it's sort of lie and you got it, it until it's, so mostly it's like I was numb and I didn't know how I feel. So, but if you then drink, you know, you can drink away your problems or you can drink, you can become physically addicted to like not being a part of yourself and not knowing how to live in this world. Um, so anyway, long story short, I'm going to, I mean, I have some successes and the other funny thing, you know, I could always quit. I mean, I've detoxed off of heroin by using acid, right? I've detoxed off of things by, I mean, I have like, I was always able to stop and start um, my older sister, like, right. There was one time and she knew everything about me. Right. There was one time then I sort of told her this, this, you know, everything I was doing, she goes, Oh, honey, you know, it's like needles are for sick people. Right. And I was like, that is true. <laughs> Syringes are for sick people. They're supposed to be in the hospital. Um, and that worked for a while. It worked for a while to like stay, there would be things like I'd get a new boyfriend, I'd get a new job, um, I'd be making some money, um, you know, and I'd try and like fix myself, right? Or try and be okay with myself. Um, and, you know, ultimately none of that never really works because if you need to, you like go back and you like start drinking again. Um, whether or not it's, um, I mean, I have a long relationship with tequila. I have a long relationship with sake. I have a long relationship with, with all sorts of like different types of alcohol, almost as if, you know, I mean the bottle, right. You know, your little bottle, this is not alcohol. Right. But it's like, I mean, I remember one time, like I bought like a, I, like I would always carry around a purse and I, sometimes I'd buy a half pint, but I graduated to a pint really fast. I mean, why buy a half pint when you can buy a pint, right. Cause there's more. Um, and the other thing that I've actually never done as little airplane bottles. I mean, it would take way too long to open them up <laughs> to get the amount of alcohol that I need. Um, so I do want to talk about my sobriety too, because, but rest assured when I got here, I was, 
I was beyond despair, right? I mean, because I had, you know, I think we were out there and we try to make our life work, right? We actually really, really try and make our lives work. It's not like we're dumb. It's not like we're stupid. It's not like we're evil, right? I mean, I did a lot of messed up things, but it's like, I couldn't make my life work. My life, I mean, I didn't know how to forgive anybody. I didn't know how to be okay without manipulating other people. Um, so I was really pretty close to suicide. I was really, really pretty close. I had a dog, right? And her name was Bethy. So she was an Akita and I loved her. I loved her. She was the only thing I loved. Had stopped talking to my family, my, my sister. My never didn't really know my dad. I mean, by that time, I think my dad was dead. And my mom actually committed suicide when I was 27. So this is like, by the time I got here, I was 47, right? So in that sort of somewhere inside of me, I could like see, you know, it's like, okay, your 20s go by. My 20s were gone, right? And that's like, okay, your 30s go by. And that's like a little bit like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then your 40s. I was 47, right? And yet there's a place in the doctor's opinion of like, you can't tell the truth from the false. Um, and also that I'm restless, irritable, and discontented, right? Unless, because I didn't know how to be content. I didn't know how to let things be. I didn't know how to be okay without being dependent upon other people or something something just outside influences and being okay, I think really is inside, right? It's inside of me. Um, so by the time I got here, I had stopped eating food, the food, and that's pretty easy to do, right? If you're drinking vodka, I was on vodka at that point in time, you know, you know, and on maybe a few other drugs too, you don't need to drink. Who needs food, right? Besides, I mean, toast or, or bread, it's like too much work. Um, actually, I had a crackhead boyfriend and he would make us eat, right? He would like, which is pretty smart. It's sort of a Grateful Dead thing where they make you eat, right? He'd make a big pot of beans or something because if you don't eat, you go down faster, right? But then, you know, this thing of like getting rid of everybody in my life, you know, in order to drink and use because I'm, you know, I don't need people. I don't need them. I think that I don't need them. I think that, I mean, you get rid of people in your life because it's just you and your bottle or you and your drugs, whatever it is you're doing, whatever I was doing. So no more people for me. Um, had the dog, loved the dog, <laughs> was pretty close to suicide. Um, but it's like in my brain, I had to kill her first because I didn't know what else to do with her. Right. You know, and I had the gun. I had a little handgun at that point in time. It's like as a little 22 thing. So it's like, and I had held it. Right. And she's on the floor. You know, it's like, do I put a bullet in her brain? Do I put a bullet in her heart? You know, how do I kill this dog? And then, cause killing myself is though, don't, you know, man, suicide is fucked up. You guys, people, you get fucked up from people committing suicide around you. Um, cause it's, you know, Oh, there's one woman I know that that she used to call it. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And that's the thing of man, there's always hope. There is always hope. Like, because we can change. That's, you know, it's like my mom couldn't change. But I've found this thing in AA and Alcoholics Anonymous where I've learned how to change. It's pretty amazing. 
this ability to change, I never want to take it for granted. And some of it's the ability to change and to grow, right? So when I got here, step one made a whole lot of sense. I actually got to go to a treatment program. Um, so I went to MTI, which was great. They, they detoxed me off a of heroin habit, um, gave me my first shower in a couple months, um, gave, gave me my first food after five days. And and I got that education, some of what Brian was talking about, like, because I never had thought about what it meant to be an alcoholic, right? Never, ever thought in that sense. It's like, huh. Um, but is it, it is a thing, right? If I identify as an alcoholic, and I do now, I really am, right? I am not a normal drinker. I have the allergy, man. Drank at Brennan's, which used to be a bar down at the foot of university. I can drink people under the table. I can drink a lot. I and I was like really good at getting fucked up, really good at getting fucked up. Um, so allergy of the body, right? I don't process alcohol like normal people, like normal drinkers. My sister was a normal drinker. She couldn't get drunk like I got drunk. And I mean, they just don't do it the way we do it. Um, obsession of the mind, right? I think it's going to make me feel better. I think it's going to take away my pain, right? And it's this whole alcoholism is fucked up in the fact I've been really self-destructive in my life. Right. And alcoholism is really self-destructive. It's not hip. It's not slick. It's not pretty. It's not cool. Right. And yet you're, I'm still doing it to myself. Right. So that thing of getting some time in my program, I got some time, right. I got 28 days and then they actually kept me for 36. <laughs> They wanted me to go to a treatment to like a sober living house, but I had a place to live and I went back to my, with my dog. And what I did, I did a meeting every day. Um, and as long as I was working the steps, everything else seemed to like, to like turn out. Okay. Um, I couldn't really deal with the second step. I couldn't deal with the word God because I had stolen a lot of things and I had a lot of shame. Um, but I did it anyway. My first sponsor, I still, we're still friends. I still, she's sort of still a sponsor. Um, she's, she's lovely human, right? I mean, but my first, second step to her, she had me write it out and was like, okay, yeah, right. God's going to bother with me. Sure. I'm waiting. Um, like sarcasm, right? Just sarcasm. Um, but things started to happen for me, right? And I really do think that, you know, if I really admit that I'm powerless over alcohol, and my life had become unmanageable. That's a big deal, right? I mean, it's like, and it's true, right? There is no way, shape or form under any circumstances. I can't put sherry into soup, right? I can't drink alcohol. I, I don't, I'm not going to drink cough syrup that has alcohol in it there. I'm not going to have the tiramisu that has like, you know, brandy and the frosting or whatever that I'm not going to have that. I'm not, I'm allergic to alcohol because I, it just, boing, <laughs> you know, it's like that thing of where our brains explode when we start taking, when we start drinking, that sense of ease and comfort that comes immediately. Um, but plus, you know, God, my life was a mess. My life was such a mess when I got here. And I would have wanted to blame it on every single person else in the world, except it really was me. You know, I was sort of faced with, with me. Um, and in order to face me, I think the God of my understanding came in fast, right? I had a higher power 
And I, so, you know, Bethy was the dog and I used to call her doggy wog. I just called her muffin head too, or little muffinini, potato boat. I gave her all sorts of little nicknames. So my first higher power, I used the word W-O-G, like doggy wog. Um, and I tell you, there's so many things that happened. There's just, I started seeing my higher power everywhere. I just started seeing it, right? I mean, I'd be, I went to a meeting every day and some of that was in San Francisco. I did mostly NA, but my first sponsor took me to an AA meeting in San Francisco and we'd walk afterwards and we, Bethy and I turned this corner, right? We're walking and there's this like fancy hair salon and it's got this neon sign. It's like shishi. I mean, you know, one of those fancy hair salons and it's like addiction, right? And immediately after that, I'm like, these people don't know the concept. They don't understand. That word addiction is not a shishi hair salon. <laughs> it's not. That, that thing of addiction is like you're filthy, you're dirty, you're on the bathroom floor of some gas station <laughs> you know? and you've got your face pressed against the cement floor and it feels good. Or, you know, I mean, all that shit. We go, we put ourselves through shit to get here. Um, so step one, you know, the other thing I've learned over the years, and this was true for me, step one and step two are not that far apart. They aren't, you know, it's AA is not an easy place to get to. So step two, it's like really sort of like they're sort of together, you know, um, because to me, the God of my understanding, I couldn't do the word God. So I called it walk, right? And man, I saw so many things. Um, there was a bumper sticker, right? And it was like, I turned around the corner. There's this bumper sticker. It's like, born okay the first time, right? And it's like, so anti-Christian. And it's like, immediately, the stuff immediately was like, I wasn't. And I wasn't born okay the first time. I've had to learn how to be okay. And some of that is not just me, 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 me. It's you, 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 you. It's being able to like put the program of Alcoholics Anonymous into action, right? The third step is a real step, right? The third step was like bouncing around in my brain a lot. But one, two, and three, there was this space for me of like being clean and sober for like 45 days, being clean and sober. I did the 90 and 90. It was 87 and 90, but you know, and that was like, I just jumped in and I jumped in all the way. Um, and I got results, um, magic, you know, not necessarily magic. And I'm going to, this is terrible. I'm going to run out of time, but I do want to tell you guys some stuff because is once I surrendered from not being a normal drinker, stuff started to happen. Um, my third day. So my third day, there's so many stories, right? You get sober and you have so many experiences, but my third day out of my treatment program. So, and they let me out was a Monday, right? They let me out on a Monday. That Wednesday, I went to an NA meeting down on International Boulevard, East 14th Street. I had $60 to my name, right? $60. And then when I got out of the treatment program, that was the day they, they did my paperwork for state disability and stuff like that. And they let me out, right? And I come home, I get the dog and, and I go to a meeting every day. And that Wednesday, I went to a meeting and there was this young woman and her daughter sharing. The daughter was like seven or 10 years old, right? And they were squatting on inner, like 
if you know East Oakland, they were squatting in these burned out buildings down there and it wasn't particularly safe, right? I mean, I knew what they were doing because people smoke crack in those buildings. You go in there at night and you do whatever you're doing. Um, but that's where they were squatting. So I had $60. I gave I 65 because I kept 15. I kept 15 for cigarettes and I gave her the other 50 right then and that was like and i i don't give money away easily right but i do that because it's like okay i'm just gonna do it right because she needed it um help her out right and then i go home and and then on friday friday morning the mail comes and it's my first state disability check i'm not saying to give your money away right i'm just saying it's like jump into the program just do the program like wholeheartedly there's not a lot of stuff that i had to hold on to right? It's like, so step three, right? Step three was amazing for me because I had had like, I had had syringes. I predate needle exchange. I mean, there's all this stuff, right? I gave up my syringes in my step three. Um, step three is like, it took me a while to learn that prayer, but it's like, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt relieve me of the bondage of self, right? Because I, I can tie myself into a knot. I can still sort of tie myself into a knot. It's like having the God of my understanding there to help is what unties my knot, is what unties my difficulties. Um, so step three is a big thing. Um, I went through a bunch of sponsors. It took me actually like two, a couple different sponsors to do a fourth step that worked. Um, so the other thing I want to say too, because I read the book, they gave me a book when, in my program and the book is a cool thing. The first thing that I liked in the book, this book was this interesting. I read the book, right? You read the book. You don't have to understand it. There's one place at the very, very beginning. So, and it's like, and it's Dr. Silkworth. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another ex case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. So, and here's what I liked. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. <laughs> I like him, right? He wants to be comfortable while he commits suicide. Um, so there were things that I understand, understood, but the other things that I didn't understand, you know, the other things that I didn't understand, they filtered in somehow, right? They filtered in. Um, There's some instructions in there in, in we agnostics, and that's actually what I how I started out. If you need a higher power. There's a place and it's good to read, right? It's like, there's a place that said, am I now willing or even willing to be willing to believe in a power greater than myself? It doesn't talk about G-O-D. It doesn't talk about Christianity. It doesn't talk about Muslim. I mean, it doesn't talk about any of that. It's like, am I now willing or even willing to be willing to believe in a power greater than myself? And that's exactly where I started right? And I got all that results. Some of it's just being beat up enough by alcohol that you begin to listen, right? And then you like stay sober and you take step three because there's not a lot of other people like, you know, this people were not knocking down my door of like, come join us, you know, come back and work, you know, that I wasn't, you know, I had burned a lot of bridges. Um, step three was really, and still is like a saving grace. Um, and then step four, so step four, this thing, this ability to inventory, inventory is fabulous, right? It's like, I don't understand. I, I understand what I was doing. I was trading my instincts for instincts. 
right? I was like, here, I'll give you sex and you give me self-esteem or here, I'll give you, you know, material security. Just, it doesn't work that way, right? For me, I really think our instincts get fulfilled in our step three, right? My instincts are fulfilled by my higher power, like in me, right? It's like, and what I was doing with my instincts of like throwing them around, right? Just throwing them around because I didn't know how to fulfill my own instincts for, for anything. Um, being able to look at that, right? And I didn't know how to forgive anybody either. Um, so this thing of learning how to inventory is absolutely essential and it's actually fabulous, right? And it took me a while. Um, one of those most important things is like there's some promises attached to that right? There's third step promises. There's some four step promises, right? I mean, I had known from growing up because there was a lot of screaming in my house growing up that, I mean, I could win an argument when I got older with my mom, but it's not like I won, you know, if we're not, if you would, you know, that thing of having a source of serenity inside myself, of being able to be at peace and ease with those around me that I'm in relationship with, instead of causing and manip wanting manipulation or wanting pain. It's like that thing of like, love is actually a verb, right? We don't necessarily know how to love anybody when we're out there. What I loved was drugs and alcohol. I took a lot of care in those. Um, and I would trade my, I traded my relationships a lot. Um, I'm gonna unplug this because the kitty wants to come in. <laughs> we're going over here. Um, Anyway, so step four, right? I do step four and finally, so step five, right? And there's some instructions on step five. Um, and step five was pretty darn amazing, right? It took me a while to do it, um, but it also worked. So that, that thing of like, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character and every dark cranny of the past. I had to tell somebody the whole truth. I had to tell them like the intricacies of how warped and I was warped. I mean, getting called moosehead in grade school, maybe that's I'm like a quote unquote victim, but it's also uh -uh. like what happens for me, what happened for me in some ways is I didn't know how to have friendships. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. So that thing of running, 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 running to protect, protect, protect and hurting you, hurting other people. The only thing that I really had like solid relationships was, was drugs and alcohol and a dog or kitties, <laughs> you know, I had stopped talking to my sister. I mean, it's not like some of us, some of us do not grow up in normal environments, you know? And so we get here. Some of us do grow up in normal environments. What we share here is that allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. Right. And the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, man, they have changed my life. They have absolutely changed my life because ultimately it's not always about me, 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 right? It's like, how can I, how can I actually live in this world is actually to be of service and to be of help and to be in relationship with others, to not blame other people for what is my responsibility, right? So there's a deal here, I think, for those of you that are new. One, you read the book. Two, you get a sponsor and you work the steps and you go to meetings, right? There is a social circle here. You know, you can be part of a, but it's also, man, it is the fellowship of the spirit. I know what some of you have been through. You've been through shit, right? And some of that was like 
external, but some of it's internal too. When I got here, it's like my consequences, because there are consequences, right, to drinking and using. My consequences were like this perfect amount of like external consequences. My life was in big trouble. So, and internal consequences. I was like imploding. I was like so close to suicide, right? I mean, so that stuff happens and you take step one, right? And step two follows, step three. You know, it is a wonderful program. Steps eight and nine, I learned how to forgive, right? Step four is really the beginning of learning how to do that. Steps four and five. But man, the steps, you know, and they're still everything to me. They really are. If, if I work them hard enough, and I did where I developed this relationship with the God of my understanding. So I don't necessarily call it WOG anymore. I called it fluffy for a while. And now I really call it GOMU, right? It's the God of my understanding, G-O-M-U, GOMU. Like I can call it God too, but it's, it's my GOMU because it's like, you know, it's an inner resource, right? It's something that I can go to. Um, and I tell you, it has provided for me. It has. So this thing of like, why shouldn't I have some amount of faith? Stuff has happened for me and continues to happen for me. It might not happen at like the snap of my finger. And that's the thing about having faith, right? That's the thing about, I wasn't looking forward to this 40 minutes of telling the truth. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, but because it's not, we come here and it's painful, right? And there's still some things that are painful, but it's, you know, it is so much worth it. It is so much worth it. I would be dead. I would absolutely be fucking dead, right? And for some reason, the God of my understanding doesn't, it's not my time yet, right? I know fentanyl is out there. I know like vodka is still out there. I know people like they fall behind a dumpster and they end up dying tonight because tonight's cold, right? It is not, this world is not easy to live in. So it's sort of like the world of the world and all those things that maybe I thought would fix me, like things, you know, let me get a car, let me get a boyfriend <laughs> or, you know, uh-uh, you know, it's, that's not the name of the game. This ability to be honest with other human beings, right? To tell you that you guys mean a lot to me, right? That's that I appreciate that ability to tell the truth, right? I appreciate being able to sponsor. I appreciate, I so much appreciate the women that have been in my life and gone on a journey with them. Um, they are like so much there. They are really, really important to me. Um, and this thing of sobriety is really important too. It's sort of like, I go to a bunch of different meetings, but there's the thing of the no matter what club. It's like, there are no circumstances under which I would be a normal drinker. So why would, I, I have to practice step one sometimes, right? I mean, maybe, you know, shit hits the fan, something happens, but I'm, I'm still allergic to alcohol, right? And this thing of having faith, right? What I really have perceived from my 47, you know, getting here when I was 47 to like, I'm almost 69 now is this thing of like, what heals, you know, what does heal us? You know, I can, you know, I could go to the best doctors. I can go do X, Y, Z. I can go get a new outfit, you know, but what really heals me, what has healed me is something that is like sort of sometimes beyond words, but it's like the God of my understanding. It is like what you can call a creator. It is something in this world that, you know, 
is about trees and whales and goodness. You know, it's about goodness, kindness, compassion. Um, it's about understanding of each other. It's about that everyone who comes here, everyone who comes here is welcomed, wanted, and needed, right? Um, so I'm really grateful to be here. I'm looking at the watch. <laughs> it's funny to me how fast 40 minutes go by. But I love you, Laura. I love you guys. Love you. So anyway, so that's enough out of me.